1: The,
2: the new Miami, the new Miami, the new
1: Miami, Surge, Surge, the new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami, Surge, Surge, the same thing when we
0: walk through with the you ain't no dude, straight
1: dog, we bring the fight, ain't scared of no bright. All right, welcome back to the Wide Right Podcast. I'm your host, Manny Navarro, Hurricane's beat writer over at The Athletic, and today. Is Monday, August 16th. We're recording this around lunchtime, noon. Uh, i got Charles Fishbine of Elite Scouting Services with me. And Charles is a guy I've known for, for many, many years now. Uh, does an excellent job scouting the South Florida area. He's also got a new podcast, which has been kicking ass. I really enjoy listening to it. He had a great interview with Manny Diaz a little over a week ago now. And uh, Charles, you're getting better guests on your podcast than I am, man. I got to deal with, like, Kelvin Harris. That's my guest. I mean, yeah. who, how the hell are you pulling this off with Manny Diaz? Oh, man, I got
2: to pay these guys, man, you know? So <laughs> I got to give them a little extra NIL money under the table, you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you have a great show. You got Corey Long, who who uh, I've known for many, many years as well, and, and worked for WalterFootball.com, and Chris Demarest, uh, Demo, an assistant coach in college football for many, many years. So, I know you guys tune in to, to, to listen to the hurricanes, but if you want to just hear good college football conversation and and you guys cover the hurricanes quite a bit on your podcast, as well as the other state schools, uh, definitely check out the fish cast. I was, it was Mac and fish originally. Why do we switch it to the fish cast? So what happened with Mac? Well, I think, you know, Mac, um, you know, he, he got big time.
2: I'll mess with him a little bit, you know, (laughs) but he's, he's coaching a high school football team. And I just think it takes a lot of his time and, I mean, I think when people get into these podcasts, they think, "Oh, it's you know, it's easy to do." And then, you know, then you got to set a, a time frame aside and trying to get on the same page. One day he feels tired from practice on a Saturday, and now you got to run and do it on a Sunday. And I just think it it just became too much with his work. But um, you know, I, I I think we've taken it to another level. Uh, I think the you know I told you like it's gotten easier doing these when we first started, like you have so many things running through your head and questions. And it was like the first interview we did uh with a coach, like you get off and you're like, oh man, I should have asked that or this. But now you know the time that you have and where you should ask those questions and you're able to get I just feel we we've gotten a lot better because of the experience of doing these. Plus having you, you know, invite me on New years. I you know, I kind of stole some <laughs> ideas and stuff. So
1: Well, you're you're kicking ass, man. And and, uh, I know I I helped you a little bit. I gave you a little bit of advice and the rest you've you've done all by yourself. I just gave you a little bit of advice and you're kicking ass. So congrats on that. Um, I, I brought you on in part because this is an interesting time of year, like the middle of August. This is when I think college football coaches get really, really weird as far as the media and getting information out. Right. I mean, you know, these coaches fish, you go to the practices, you've been to Miami's practices, Manny Diaz does not want any information leaked out. None of these college coaches do. And so Miami had their first scrimmage yesterday. Uh, Of course, the media couldn't go, uh, except for Chrissy Chirino. She works for the University of Miami, and she's their little staff writer. Um, And then, of course, their own radio guys. But the media is like, we're like the bad guys, because we can get information out that uh, is going to get in Nick Saban's hands right before the opener. I wanted to ask you, you know these coaches well, man. You get a chance to see behind the curtain how, like, just – worried are they about information getting out all the time
2: you know what's crazy is Pete Carroll you know had national championship teams at USC and he basically invited Snoop Dogg whoever the heck wanted to come to practice and his thing was like listen if other teams want to see what we're doing they can watch games we really don't care we got better players than everybody else so whatever they see they still ain't going to be to do anything about it coaches just in general you like see from the high school coach up to the college coach. They're just very paranoid. And my thing is, I think they should allow the media in and just tell you guys, listen, just don't film form. You know, that's what they're doing at Florida state this year. They're telling these guys don't film formations or stuff that we're doing in scrimmage. When you come out, you could take pictures of like the video of just the wide receivers doing one-on- ones or whatever. And I think if you have that one-on-one relationship with the uh, media Down here, and there's a respect factor, I think both parties could be happy. I just – Miami's always been one of those schools that hasn't – it doesn't matter if it's Manny Diaz or it was Mark Richt or any of the coaches. I I remember all the way back to Butch Davis. They just never allowed the media really to see much outside of 15 or 20 minutes of practice.
1: Yeah, Manny Diaz opened the vault for us. I mean, he really uh, – he let us watch the first two practices, which, granted, they're in helmets and shorts. They're not really doing much. They're just going through basic stuff. Um, and then he's given us 40 minutes um, of two other practices. And this week on Tuesday and Thursday, we'll get a chance to go back and watch more of it. But, you know, it, it's funny, like as a reporter, Fish, we've got to go behind. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like DMing people at the school, like just texting them behind the scenes like, hey, what happened to this dude? How come this guy didn't play? You know, what's kind of going on behind the scenes? Because what, I, what I'm out there, like what I'm looking for is who's running with the first team? Like who are the guys really that the coach's view is you know, guys that are definitely part of the ones. Because I don't, I know people are like they, they love conspiracy theories. They're like, oh, they're just showing you that the first forty minutes. Coaches aren't going to waste time. They've only got two hours to work with these guys in a practice. Right. So, whoever runs out with the first team is usually the guys that are running with the first team in practice. And, so, and they all they also only have twenty minutes to really work with the team
2: during the week. Like that's right. limits how much time they don't have time to sit there and like like coaches aren't that much of it. Like, there's no conspiracy. Right, they're just. <laughs> like to not allow outsiders to see what they're doing. And it's just because it's a truck, like they don't want you guys showing something that could hurt them. Like, you know, like Saban's scouring the earth for everything that Manny Diaz has done probably all the way back to his days at middle Tennessee state. Like that's how intense of a coach and 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 detail orientated he is. He's going to go back and look at every defensive scheme he's run where the blitzes have come from, what type of coverage is. That's just how he is. Not every coaching staff does that, you know, but you're going to play Alabama. You don't want to let them know what you're going to do. And 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 two, I mean, you've seen it with injuries. They don't want these guys – you know somebody's not going to play, but they don't tell you till like, Thursday or Friday before right. a game. So right. there's so much that goes into it. It's all a chess match, and, um, you know, that that's just how coaches are.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if you've had a chance to go out to any of the practices if Manny invited you out there for, for this fall, but I know you were out there in the spring, so you saw some of these guys. And I, I came out with my list based on my observations, my conversations of guys that I think could be breakout-type players, guys that either weren't with the team last year or were freshmen or sophomores that didn't really play much or have much of a role. And so I want to get your thoughts. I mean, this, this list is on the athletic.com, but Charleston Rambo, the, uh, the receiver from Oklahoma – um, to me, has really proven to be a reliable, deep outside threat. Uh, I think the issue with him is just the drops. That's what happened to him at Oklahoma. At Oklahoma. He, dropped, he dropped some balls, and I think you know, he kind of fell behind the pecking order. But that's only because Oklahoma has a ridiculous group of receivers. I guess my question to you, and you could talk more than just Charleston Rambo, but just curious to you, how, how much better do you think this receiver group is because of a guy like Charleston Rambo, maybe because of some of the young receivers that they've gotten?
2: Well, I think the one thing they've done is, and you've seen it with D.R. King, they're bringing guys in from winning programs. This guy understands, you know, what he needs to do during the week, what he needs to do in the offseason, and that basically rubs off on some of those other players that maybe, you know, maybe it rubs off on a Wiggins or a Pope that, you know, you go out there and they think they're doing everything 110%, but they realize after they watch him, hey, maybe there's more that we can do to get better. And that's what they're expecting out of Charlton is that he's going to be more of a leader off the field and on the field for them that it will up the game, you know, the the game of these other guys. And that's huge. That's the one thing uh, at the University of Miami they've always prided themselves on is that that competitive edge. You don't get competitive by just being handed something. You know, and that's something that has happened in the past. Now these guys have to earn that spot. And Rambo comes from a program that is one that's successful, that the coaches, they understand what it takes from week to week to win. And it's going to rub off on those younger players.
1: Yeah. And I'll tell you what, it it seems like it's rubbed off on, on a guy like Keyshawn Smith. I know Manny Diaz didn't bring him up yesterday, but, you know, he had two touchdowns in the spring game, and I almost feel like coaches are trying to keep him secret. Like, every time Rob Likens or, or Rhett Lashley has gone on the air to talk about him, they're like, yeah, he's really, really fast. He's really, really talented, but, um, yeah, we, 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 you know, he still has a long way to go type thing, and yet every time I've been at practice, this dude's running with Mike Harley and and, and Charleston Rambo, a receiver with the first team, and he's got a ridiculous vertical, a 39-inch vertical kid out of San Diego who basically came to Miami sight unseen. He, he was, he had signed with Washington state, one of these Mike Leach guys. And then all of a sudden comes over here um, of the young guys on this roster fish. And, and you've seen some of the other ones, uh, Jacoby George, Romelo Brinson, Brashard Smith, who I know you were huge on, um, you know, what do you think of, of the younger group of guys and, and who stands out to you as, as maybe the guy that's going to break out and be a, a stud for Miami? Yeah, I think he Sean
2: showed it in the spring game. I, I saw it as well. Very talented kid. But those coaches are basically telling you that he's good when they don't make it. Trust me, if he's not good, they'll have a few more remarks about a kid. But they're hiding him because they understand what they have with him. And that's how talented he is. But I definitely think, you know, I'm a big fan of the kid from Palmetto, Brashard Smith. I, I just think From an athletic standpoint, being able to stretch the field, give them a playmaker, balls in his hand, he can change uh, the momentum of a game on one play. I think some of the guys, uh, Brinson looks like he's come in and physically what he looked like when he came into what he looks like now, he's bought in. You could tell he spent the time in the weight room. That's what you want to see from a young player, that they develop that physical side of him. I mean, you see pictures of him. He doesn't look like the same kid, and he just came in in May. So it shows you that that kid has that determination, that work ethic that you want. A lot of it, listen, all these guys physically could play at Miami or they wouldn't recruit them. It's that mental side. Are they willing to put in the work? Are they willing to compete? And and when things get tough, are they going to fight through it? Or are they going to put their name in the portal? That's, that's how you have to deal with this now in this whole uh, college football is you have to find the guys that are like, hey, listen, no matter what. I'm willing to fight through this. I'm going to get better. And that competition will breed these guys to be better players down the road.
1: Well, Jacoby George had a huge uh, scrimmage. He had seven catches for 127 yards and a touchdown. He was kind of the breakout star. But, you know, the one thing Miami does and Manny does is whenever they give the media these stats and these two-minute two, you know, two videos that they, uh, that Manny gets interviewed in after the scrimmage, he doesn't tell you who they were going against, right? He, he, he doesn't tell you if Jacoby George was going against the first or second team. We know for sure, I know for sure, that it was the third team. They basically had all the freshmen going up against each other um, the first, you know, week and a half of camp. And, and Rhett Lashley went on the radio this morning and basically said, yeah, you know, we got to see now, can these guys, these freshmen, do it against the older guys? Can they do it against Tyreek Stevenson and DJ Ivy uh, and, and those kind of guys? Um, but Jacoby George did have a big performance. I'm curious, what is it about him that stands out? What do you think? Um, what do you think of his future? And, and what is who does who does he maybe remind you of as a, as a player? No, I you know I don't know who he reminds me of. It's just a
2: consistency. He was consistent in high school. He's one of those kids that, like I said, he kind of flew under the radar. Recruiting wasn't. He didn't you know go on all these visits and and I'm going to decommit or I'm you know I, I'm feeling this way today, and tomorrow I feel another way, he's been all Miami, and and he's doing the right things, and the talent was always there. You want to see that these guys aren't drama queens, and he's one of those guys that is just flying under the radar, doing what he needs to do, and I don't buy that, oh, well, they were going against the third string. He's a freshman. If he's showing and flashing this as a freshman, I don't care. Those are still Older kids, or grown men that he's going against. They're not high school kids. If he's showing something at this level, even if it's against a third string, I think that's a good sign. That's a very good sign, especially this early in the process. It takes time for young players to flash. And if he's doing it now, I think Miami. this kid's going to have a bright future at the University of Miami.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? requires high speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply.
1: Well one one let's flip over to the other side to cornerback. And you know Tyreek Stevenson they they tweeted out the photo of, of Charleston Rambo making this one-handed touchdown catch. And in the background you see number two that's that's Tyreek Stevenson getting beat on that play uh, for what I guess was a 27 yard touchdown pass. And you know the one thing about Tyreek I've heard consistently is Big body, physical guy, right? He's six foot. Two, he told us the other day, he's 210 pounds. Um, but speed-wise, Charles, um, you know, what do you think of him at that outside corner position? Is he a guy that you think just projects more as a safety? I mean, is Miami, I don't know, taking a risk playing him on the outside, which is something Georgia and Kirby Smart didn't do?
2: Yeah, I think, one, if you're a corner, you're going to get beat. So you have to have a short-term memory. I, and if this kid – He has that confidence. You're going to get beat. I don't care who you are. You could be the greatest corner in all of college football. Guys on the other side are pretty darn good, too. So, like, this idea that if you get beat, you're not good at corner is just ridiculous. I think he could play corner. He's going to need some help on certain situations, you know, some help over the top. um, And they can scheme around some of his deficiencies. But he's a big physical kid. He's going to be the guy. That is gonna you know physically take a guy out of the game off the line of scrimmage. Now, if he plays off coverage, he's gonna need some help uh from a safety in certain situations. But I think he could play the corner position. I wouldn't worry about him giving up a play to Charleston Rambo. I'm sure there's <laughs> plenty of guys that Rambo's toasted. The advantages at the end of the day, Manny, are for the offense. I you can just the that you can't right. jam, get as physical with guys anymore receivers are going to make plays. I don't care who there's very few corners that just lock up guys. And and it's going to come down to that front four. If that front four can put pressure without having to blitz and put these guys in straight man coverage and have put them in island and they have to make plays, it's I think he'll be fine. He's only going to have to lock a guy up for 2 seconds. If he's lock has to lock him up for 5 or 6, it's not going to matter who's back there. So, if the front four is doing their job, I think the guy can play corner. What's good about him, he's versatile enough that in certain situations, if they go four and five wide, they can move him inside to one of those safety spots because of his coverage ability, get another talented corner out on the field, and mix it up a little bit. I don't think it's going to be an issue. I think Tyreek Stevenson, uh, I love his physicality. The kid's going to come up and play the run real well. Against Alabama, you know they're going to run a lot of stretch. So you want him out there. He's going to come up, undercut a, a wide receiver that's trying to block him, and he's going to make plays behind the line in a scrimmage that some of the smaller corners that are probably better coverage corners can't make. And Manny understands that. They're playing big boy football against Alabama, and you need corners – that have played in that conference. They understand what those wide receivers are doing. Those wide receivers in that conference are very physical because they run so much stretch and outside runs.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a hell of a challenge for them up front with the size Alabama has. Um, Well, those are my top three guys as far as breakout candidates for Miami. Keyshawn Smith, Tyreek Stevenson, Charleston Rambo. I think that all three of those guys are in a position where you could see them move into, you know, sort of the number one role at their positions, and guys that that are meaningful uh, additions to this roster, or, or guys that have grown into meaningful roles on this roster. The fourth one, Charles, is a kid that that we saw a lot of uh, at at Hollywood Chaminade and that's Keontra Smith. And you know, Manny decided um, in spring football to to move him from you know, the striker position inside the weak side linebacker. And, and you know, you talk about Alabama and the, si- the size that they have. Keontra's 5'11", 205. That's what he's listed at, unless he's added another five pounds here since since campus started. I'm sure they're trying to add the weight. But just, you know, he's a guy who stood out yesterday in the scrimmage. He had four tackles. He had a sack. He had a pass breakup. I think a fumble recovery. Um you know, he's a guy who was all over the field making plays for them. Um, Miami, you know, we've talked about this uh, before uh, off air. You know, the linebacker position is really, really tough to recruit. Um, you know, probably the hardest position in football to recruit now. And, and so you have to take a guy like him and, and move him inside because he's really good at tackling the box. I'm curious about Keontra and the weight issue, though. Um, can a guy at 205 pounds, 210 pounds play in the inside and be effective? they can, he can
2: be effective, but not the whole season. Like you're going to have to rotate guys in, uh, in Alabama game. I see the reason they're going to use him is the speed. And like, Hey, if he gets to that spot before the guy gets to the spot on the other side, he can make the plays. That's, I believe that's going to be Manny's mentality is the one advantage we have over Alabama is speed. Uh, and, and we're going to give up size, but it's going to be old school Miami. We're going to put, our safeties at linebackers, linebackers at ends. We're going to put pressure on the other team and utilize our speed and quickness. So I think it's fine for one game. You don't want to be out there against the Boston Colleges, the Alabamas, these schools with a 200-pound linebacker and not have somebody back there to kind of provide depth. That's the one thing they're going to have to do is have guys develop at that position. Miami, it's the one weakness on their defense, is a linebacker spot. But they can you could overcome that with scheme you can put only two defensive uh two linebackers out there go to five dbs and have more guys that are athletic and that can run to the ball and you're going to give up some runs and stuff because of that size differential but it's that ability to get through the line of scrimmage Miami wants to create negative plays especially against Alabama they have a young quarterback that's coming in that's never played you don't you can't worry about the big plays you give up you got to put them in negative down and distances if you could get them in second and 10 or third and long you're going to have a better chance of having success against that Alabama offense he can't just sit back there and let them dictate what they want to do i think against Alabama you got to try to dictate what you want to do
1: Three other guys I mentioned in this article that were guys to watch from Miami. And one of them I feel is like Manny Diaz's personal favorite recruit in this 2020 class. Cause every time I talk to Manny and I even hear him on other shows, even your show, I think you mentioned Brian Balem, the safety out of Miramar, who, who's a you know was a three-star kid in the 2020 class. And you look at it on paper, Brian's, you know, essentially risen to the number three spot at safety behind uh, Bubba Bolden and, and, and Gervin Hall. Now they moved Amari Carter over to striker. Um, I'm curious, did you when you were scouting Balaam coming out of high school? Um, what did you think of him as a player? When Manny talks about him, I start to think like he's not that he necessarily compares him to Gregory Rousseau, but just the, the excitement that he talks about with him, like you know, that he's one of these guys who maybe was undervalued as a recruit.
2: Yeah, I mean, you look at the kids that come out of that area, whether it's the Carroll City, the Miramar area, they're all from that Miami Gardens area. They're just a tough mentality kid. They're, they, they're, it's, they're not about flash. They're about hard work. They're about getting after it. They love football. It's a different mentality. That's why those teams have so much success year after year. And they don't have, Have you ever looked Miramar or Carroll city, yeah, they have that two, those two or three stars, but they're comprised of these kids that are just hardworking kids. This is one of those kids. He's going to outwork somebody that may be a little taller, a little faster not as talented as him, but he is going to go full bore all the time. And you you can't have enough of those. You have to have some of those guys on your football team. I mean, you go back even all the way to the um, teams with Sean Taylor and Ed Reed, you look, they had a James Lewis, that guy that maybe wasn't a first or second round kid, but you watched him on the football field and he made a lot of plays. And he's one of those guys, Balham, that if you put him around other great players, he's going to stand out even more because – he, he knows that the guy next to him has got his back and he could just do his thing.
1: One guy we talked about the pass rush earlier in the front four, one guy that obviously I think could be a huge breakout type player for Miami is, is Deandre Johnson, who of course is from down here, Miami, Southridge, he's a Tennessee transfer. I got him as one of my guys to watch. He really hasn't separated himself yet in camp. It looks like it's going to be sort of a four-man rotation anyway, regardless of who starts. You know, Chance Williams is in there, the Zach McLeod kid who moved over from linebacker. Um, You know, you got DeAndre um, and and you got Jafari Harvey. But DeAndre, uh, you know, he's – he's kind of viewed as the, the X factor, right? Because he played in the sec uh, you know, he's, he's a bigger physical guy. Um, but yet he still hasn't really wrestled away uh, the job, you know, um, Jeff Simpson said the other day, he's still got stuff. He's got to clean up He said in, 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 go mode, hit and run blocks and jet mode, pass rush uh, you know, schemes, pad level, that kind of stuff. Um, Deandre, again, another one of these three-star kids who, who left South Florida and now he's back home. I'm curious, uh, when you look at the defensive end position, how concerned are you? Because it's not easy to replace a Greg Rousseau and a Jalen Phillips and even a Quincy Roche who got drafted and and looked good playing his first week uh, with the Steelers.
2: I mean, they've had success. One thing that is a positive is under Banny. They've had a lot of success that's come out of that defensive end position. So you have to go off of that. A lot of these guys just aren't named guys yet. Jahari, you know, Jafari Harvey hasn't done it yet. So people don't know who he is. You know he's going to get that opportunity. He flashed a little, I think, last year in their bowl game. So these guys have ability. Uh, before Gregory Rousseau ever stepped on a field, he was a wide receiver in high school. You know, so like people, he he became who he was because of one season. He he wasn't somebody that just came out. He came out of nowhere basically. You look at Chance Williams. Uh, chance was a uh, a big-time recruit coming out. He has a lot of ability. He just needs the chance to get it, get the chance to do it now on the football field. So I don't think it's a lack of talent. It's just a lack of experience and these guys getting uh, those reps, both in games and practices. And I think at the end of the day, the, I'm not really worried about the D-line. They've proven under Manny that they're going to be very good up front. Now they we've talked about it. their weakness was more in the interior. I think they've done a very good job of adding uh, a Leonard Taylor to that mix. And I'm sure I've, I've heard good reports about him coming out of practice. So the D line's not a concern we've talked about. It. I think the D line and the secondary have been upgraded. Uh, it's that linebacker position and a lot of that scheme, they could fix some of those issues at linebacker with extra DBs.
1: My last guy, the seventh guy wrote in the article, Jalen rivers, the left guard who they got out of uh you know, the Orlando uh, Jacksonville area up there in central, the North, North Florida. Um, You know, he's a guy that, that, you know, four-star recruit, one of the highest rated offensive linemen that they've gotten uh, here in the last few years, right up there with Navon Donaldson. And, you know, because of circumstance, Ja'Kai Clark gets into a car accident right after the spring games, you know, injures his AC joint shoulder in the car accident. You know Ja'Kai Clark started 22 games for them over the last two years at left guard. Um, when with Donaldson coming back, you know, you, you kind of upgrade the inside of that offensive line. Um, but Rivers is, a, is an interesting guy to me. Um, you know, he was playing since his freshman year, starting since his freshman year in high school. Um, when you look at Miami, I know you talked to Garen a whole lot and, 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 and the job that he's doing there upgrading. What do you think of Rivers and what his potential is at that spot?
2: I, I think Jalen, you know, they get, he gives them a little more of an athletic guy. Um, then Ja'Kai, he's a big physical kid, can move laterally. He could do a lot of the things that you want at that position. He was very talented. I had him as one of the top offensive linemen that came out of that class. I don't think he's been there long enough that now he has that experience. Uh, not, I don't think he's played a lot of, whole, lot of game time experience, but practice. Uh, he's been there now, I think, two years. So I expect his game uh, to jump to another level, and I think he's a plus. From what Jakai is, I think he's going to be an upgrade at that position. And the overall um, offensive line is going to end up being much better this year.
0: Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works— Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollars first bet offer on your first wager.
1: So, you and I have spent a lot of time talking uh, between the season about recruiting. I, I call you every time Miami picks up one of these commitments because I want to get your thoughts on each of these players that they're getting, and, and you know to see what you think of them. Since you see, you evaluate and see a lot of these guys in the circuit. Um, and, you know, Miami's class, we've talked about this quite a bit, uh, Manny's not just taking anybody, like he's going after the best players, uh, at, at at the positions because he knows that he's got the transfer portal in the background and he he does an excellent job evaluating guys in the portal, but they've got nine commitments and, you know, they're all, I, I think, you know, elite guys, four and five star type talents. Um, and, and, you know, really the specialty here is, um what they've got at defensive back and they just picked up Mark Heath Williams um out of Orlando Evans um just I want to get your thoughts on on what they've done in the secondary because I know Manny talked about it a little bit on your show about the type of defensive backs that he wants to get yeah, I think one
2: and I'm not his agent but I think it's time to give T-Rob a raise and another title <laughs> so you don't not it's you know what we you, we could laugh about it but you just go look at their DB recruiting since he's been there. Um, there's a reason why he was considered one of the best uh, recruiters and defensive back coaches in the country, because he gets it done no matter where he's at. And I, and the reality is as good as the other programs he's been at, he's has the ability to get better players at Miami because of where he's at than he was at Auburn and, and South Carolina. And that's not a knock against those programs, but he's going to have the exposure of being at Miami. It's going to help him land big time recruits and he's done it this year and you look at the recruiting class they're bringing in you look at what manny's done they've systematically eliminated issues year after year in recruiting they knew they had issues at quarterback that was the first issue what do they do they go out and get Air king and then they pull garcia and van dyke has shown that if he's developed he can end up a, a quality starter at the division one level so the depth and the position room at quarterback has gone up you look at the running back position they may not even take a running back this year because they're so stacked and that's that that's a tribute of wh- what they've done this is the best backfield they've had as far as talent since the days of Butch Davis when he had the Gores and the um, Willis McGahees. it that's how t- I'm not saying that it's as talented but if you look at that room the potential is there to be as talented as those groups you go to the defensive back area we talked about it they had issues there and they are now fixing those issues. You get a James Williams. All of a sudden you get uh, the Graves kid out of Bishop Burrow. You get um, all these other guys that they're bringing in right now. And now they've positioned themselves. They have one more spot for a DB and they can go all in on Jaheem Singletary, the kid out of Jacksonville. This gives them the opportunity to spend all their time and resources on that one guy. And if they land him, all of a sudden this is probably the best defensive backfield class they've signed in over 10 to 15 years. And and that's a credit to that staff. It's a credit to Manny. It's a credit to T Rob and those guys on that staff. They're getting it done. And, and, you know, fans don't want to be patient, but if you look, they have uh, improved that roster The floor of that roster has gotten better every year and the depth they're bringing in now guys that could come in and compete with starters and not, if they don't beat them out, they're going to make those players better. So you got to like the direction they're going with what they've done in recruiting.
1: Tell me a little bit about Mark Keith Williams. I know he's six foot. I think he's listed 175 pounds, but he's really more of a ball hawking guy than he is a hitter. Right? Yeah. I think we talked
2: about it. He reminds me of, um, there was a DB they signed out of American uh, Daryl Williams a long time ago, mm-hmm. uh, back during the uh, Dennis Erickson days. I think he's very similar to him. He's, he's a rangy kid. He's one of these new breed of DVs that is versatile enough that you could put them in uh, uh, possibly at the corner spot or play them at, uh, you know, safety, even move them in the box in passing situations and playing, play him close to the line of scrimmage almost as an extra linebacker. He's versatile enough to do so much, but that ability, and range to cover a lot of ground. You can't find those guys. You know, you'll give up a little bit of that physicality when guys have this much range. He has a ton of range. He's going to make plays in the passing game. He can intercept the ball. He could force fumbles. He's probably one of the top two or three safeties in the state this year. They got another great player once they added this kid to the mix.
1: And Jahim Singletary, I know he's a five-star guy, but why? Why? What maybe separates him from other elite corners? I know obviously FSU's got the best cornerback in the country. Uh, the, the, the what is it? Travis Henry's? What's his first? What's Travis his name again? H-
2: Travis Hunter. Travis
1: Hunter. I'm sorry. I, I'm always going to think Travis Henry for some reason whenever I hear the name I'm, Travis. I mean,
2: they're they're just different corners. I mean, listen, you've seen Miami have success whether it's a you know it's Antral Roll. Or they have a Philip Buchanan. They're totally different corners. They just mm-hmm. have diff- different skill set. Singletary is more of that on-trail role, Mike Rump type corner. He's long, he's rangy. He gives you that ability to move him around. He can play. He's another guy that can play corner, or you can slide him in and play him at safety. Where some of these other guys don't have that. Hunter's just a different athlete. I mean, he. It wouldn't shock me to see him play wide receiver because they need playmakers up there, and he's so good with the ball in his hands. That's the difference is, is that kid's an elite-level athlete where maybe Singletary, he's a good athlete but not an elite-level athlete, but he's got very good cover sk- uh, skills, and he can do a lot on the back end of your defense. You could put him on an island and not worry about it. He could basically shut down half the field, and moved, you, know, you 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 know, can do different things on the other side. When you have one of those corners that could shut down half the field, the back end you can do so much more, and Manny wants those type of guys.
1: Well, the one thing that's interesting about Miami's class thus far is they've got nine commitments, seven are from out of state in different parts of the Southeast, and none of them are from Miami-Dade and Broward. The closest you have is Chris Graves, who's uh, out of Fort Myers, but that doesn't mean Miami's not recruiting the best players in their own backyard, right? They want Julian Armella, they want Wesley Besaint, they want Earl Little Jr., um, and then they want probably all four of those Elite defensive linemen, Shamar Stewart, Marvin Jones Jr., Kenyatta Jackson, Nigel Kelly. I'm putting you on the spot. Of those four, who who is the best one? Of the four, Shamar Stewart, those guys? The four linemen, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, Shamar – you put me on the spot, but they're all different. I mean, basically it's all what you want. Shamar is more of that SEC, set the edge big physical kid, can, can play the run, play the pass where a Marvin Jones is an elite-level pass rusher. He's not going to be as effective against the run. It's not that he can't do it, but you look at Shamar, he's more built to handle uh, setting that edge and being able to uh, get in the backfield and stuff in that run. I mean, any one of these guys you get. I think Miami's got a very good shot at Shamar. With what they have on the other end and the skill set they need, I think Shamar would be the best prospect they
1: could get for what they want to do on the defensive front. Um it, you know, I went and I, and I spoke to Nigel Lee Kelly for a while like about a week and a half ago, and you know, he's so ridiculous just from size 6'6, 250. Um, but but we talked a little bit about injury histories, you know, and I wanted to ask you this just because you know, colleges it, it's tough sometimes, right? Like they, they can't technically go out and get all the information they need on a kid, but we've seen it happen, um, fish guys come to college with injuries and colleges don't know about it or they don't know the extent of it. In your conversations with coaches, um, does that topic at all come up, you know, in terms of evaluation? Because you obviously help some of these coaches in the evaluation process, part of what you do with elite scouting services, but injury history, like how much of that is an issue?
2: Well, I think when you're taking a, you take an account of injury history like that, you got, if you're going to take kelly you want another guy in the class that's as good or better and it's more of hey listen we're ta- he his upside it's no different than a felt draft as guys slip we're going to take a flyer on this guy because his upside's so great but you know they're hot the it's a high risk high reward situation you hope that he doesn't get injured i mean but it just at this level you're taking 25 kids if he's your top guy you're going to have some red flag issues but they are recruiting other guys in the class that if they get a Shamar Stewart and Kelly wants to come, you don't worry about it. You know, you, you know, you got the sure thing and, and Stewart. And if Kelly is able to stay healthy, then you got two great defensive ends, but you don't want to put yourself in a position that the kid has an injury history. You've seen it so many times that once a guy starts to get injured, it becomes reoccurring for some reason. It's very hard once you start getting surgeries and you start getting injured, that you don't continue to get injured in college. I mean, the game gets more – it's bigger, more physical. It's faster. Things are going to happen, and you just got to – you got to keep your fingers crossed. Um, Miami's in a good situation, though, in the recruiting, that if they took Kelly, maybe he red shirts or – you know, and they could put him in their weight program, get his hip uh, uh, bigger and stronger uh, and more sound, and hopefully everything goes all right with him. Because talent-wise – there's not many kids as talented as him but there is concerns now with that hip.
1: yeah and and i guess in general like it, it's funny because people don't realize like elijah royal is sort of the perfect example he comes to miami he plays his senior season and the first thing he does as soon as he gets here in the springs is, is he has surgery and that happens to a lot of guys and 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 i think ultimately fish if mistaken me if i'm wrong it's just because a lot of you know the the team doctors here at miami i mean they see stuff on guys and like we need to fix that right away that's essentially what happens with a lot of these guys right there's no question.
2: I mean, listen, let's be honest. I mean, the care that they're getting out of college, it's going to be a lot better than the high school. Uh, I mean, these guys the from an insurance standpoint and what they got to go through the physical therapy once they get to UM. And the thing is, if you have a young kid and you have talent, you have that ability to bring a kid in and say, listen, we're going to take care of this injury that you have. We're not going to play you a whole lot. We're going to limit your reps. You see now they have these GPS systems at all levels. You see see it on hard knocks with the Cowboys that they are able to monitor how much physicality that these guys put out there to save their bodies. And listen, the technology now and the, the ability to operate on these guys and get them back on the field quicker, it's crazy at all levels of sports. He's one of those guys that I think he probably hasn't seen the best doctors Mm -hmm. at the high school level. I mean, it's nothing against Dillard, but they're probably just taking him to a regular doctor that doesn't know what the heck they're looking at. So once he gets to University of Miami or in Alabama or in Oregon or wherever he goes, they're going to be able to monitor him and be able to bring him back slowly and make sure they don't re-injure that hip that he has issues with right now.
1: All right, so we're getting close to wrapping up uh, the episode here and I thank you for all the time you've given me fish. It's fun having you on because I feel like, you know, you and I haven't gotten a chance to hang out a whole lot. Normally I see you on the high school sidelines or we go to the state championships together and have some good laughs. And I miss my fish time personally. I do. I, well, I, I miss well, being I've, able to hang out with you, bro. I've
2: had my vaccine and I've had COVID. So between the two, hopefully I can't get you sick. I mean, I, I may make you <laughs>
1: sick from something else, but not COVID. So. well, I, I always end my show by by taking some questions off of Twitter. People messaging me on Twitter, I always ask. And okay. I saved these, I saved these from last week. This was this was kind of a fun one. All right. All right. This all is right. from uh from Larry. Um Shender okay he sends me this he says how would you rate the Eric King versus Ken Dorsey would King have won three national championships 99 to 2001 um Dorsey of course only won one what what are your what's your take on the Eric King versus Ken Dorsey because in reality he might be the best quarterbacks Miami's had since Ken Dorsey I think Ken Dorsey's maybe one of the most underrated
2: players in the history of University of Miami like I know he was skinny I remember Florida State fans are like, oh, if we get a clean shot on him, he's so skinny, we're going to take him out. And all he did was win. And, and sometimes it's not about physical talent. He was so smart. He knew where to go with the ball. They're totally different players. Would King have had that success? Hey, listen, King came off a serious injury. What happens if he had been injured at University of Miami? It happens. I just, I, I just don't think Ken Dorsey gets enough credit. I think he was a phenomenal player and a phenomenal quarterback at University of Miami. And honestly, if they had had some Ken Dorseys between Ken Dorsey and Eric King, I don't think they would have gone through four coaches. All right, or how many ever coaches <laughs> they had?
1: Well, I'll, I'll answer this. I, I, I think, uh, honestly, I think they probably would have won two national championships because the one thing D'Eric. Did, I mean, the one thing Ken Dorsey didn't have was Derek speed and escapability, And not that he really needed it with the offensive line that Miami had back then, because they had a pretty good offensive but line. But Dorsey basically
2: won two titles other than a referee. And I'm not, yeah, listen. yeah, Well, I mean, but, like you can't, you, he didn't lose that game. You well, know?
1: I guess the way I'm answering it is, I think you would have brought another dynamic, obviously, uh, right? Like the running ability that might've been valuable in that Ohio state it, game, especially after Willis McGahee went down.
2: Yeah. You know what though? I, it's, I remember when Tua won his first championship, and this one guy that I'm friends with, he knows college football really well, he goes, well, give Alabama the next two titles because they're going to win it the next two years. And he right. didn't win. And then you look at Trevor Lawrence. He won as a freshman. A lot has to go right to win multiple national titles. Right. I mean, the only quarterback that has done it since we've been following college football is Tommy Frazier. He, he mm-hmm. did it at Nebraska. Could King have done it? Possibly, but there's so much that goes into having to win. I, I just think that a lot of people take don't understand the leadership. I remember there was a story on Ken Dorsey when he went to University of Miami, and he stood up and he was a freshman. He basically said, "They said, Oh, what's your goal here?'" He's gonna. He's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna help Miami. I'm gonna lead them to the national title." He just had that like Tom Brady mentality of, "Hey, I'm gonna make these guys better. We're gonna win." And that's just something I think people don't take into account. There was some – he had that it factor. And I, it's nothing against D.R. King, but this – to sit there and go, oh, he won a, would have won three national championships. Miami was still pretty darn good without, you know, D.R. King. And and they didn't win because of circumstances. Something ha- – you know, maybe that year against Ohio State, they, you, they went into that game. They thought they were going to automatically win by uh, just showing up. Maybe King wins that first year and then second year, he's not as motivated. You just don't know.
1: Well, I'll answer it this way. Had Miami had De King in 2017, OK, when they were 10 and 0 and they had a chance to get into the college football playoff, if they would have just taken care of business against Pittsburgh and, and played better, obviously a lot better against Clemson. Uh, I think Miami would have finished the regular season undefeated in 2017. They first, would have beaten Pittsburgh and, no, and they wouldn't have needed as many heroics at the end of the no, game.
2: Listen, he's a great player. Listen, yeah. I, I I talked about it on our podcast with Manny. The first time I saw Dear King, what did you ask me? A- and I told you, I told you. Yeah. You told me
1: he's the best quarterback they've had there in like 20 years.
2: And that was one practice. I said, yeah. Hey, listen, you know, you asked me what I thought of Jaron Williams. I'm like, well, you asked me about Tate Martell.
1: You didn't lie. I didn't lie.
2: <laughs> you know, and then I, I saw Rick and D.R. King. You're like, what do you think? I like, Dude, this is a good football team.
1: <laughs> we'll wrap it up with this, this last question. This is from right. Onan Dennis on Twitter. He says, and this is kind of, we've been talking about this a little bit, but do you feel like the roster quality is moving in the right direction? It feels like the quality of the young guys coming in, is improving based on what we we're hearing, even if we don't see these these results immediately. I think the bigger point here is there will not be a lot of freshmen who play just because Miami a very older team. I think you'll see some of the young freshmen in spots, but but I feel like these last two classes, 20 and 21, um, they remind me of the older Canes, like the, the talent and ability that they have. Uh, Fish, correct me if I'm wrong, these these look like better players.
2: Yeah. You remember Miami fans would always say, hey, our backup's better than the starter. Right. You can start to get back into that conversation now. It wasn't like that the last 10 years. You can now go, oh, well, Leonard Taylor, you know what? He's better than the starters. Right. Yeah, that, they have that ability. James Williams, these guys that are young are super talented. And what, that, what they're going to do is, even if they don't start, and what made Miami so special is these young guys are going to force the guys in front of them to look over their shoulder and say, you know what? We better go hard where that young guy behind us is going to take our job. And that com- that's going to make Miami a better football team. It's going to make them a, a better program and it's going to get them back to what the fans want and expect at the university of Miami. All
1: right. Uh, one last one for me, this is not on Twitter. This is just me thinking, cause I, I want to go out and watch some high school games. Right. Uh, who's winning, who's winning state titles this year fish from, from South Florida. Give me your state right. champions.
2: You don't know this. All right, man. All right. St. <laughs> Thomas American heritage. <laughs> Givens will be in there. I mean, it's going to be the same teams. I do think that um, the one team that has a chance this year, I think they're loaded Is Gulliver. When you have that quarterback, um, Jalen Brown's of special talent. They got DeCarlo Henderson, DeCarlo, uh, the, uh, DiCarlo, the um, tight end that's committed to Tulane. They're loaded on both sides of the ball. When you have that quarterback, that that signal caller that can make plays and get the ball in your playmaker's hands. You have a shot. You don't need a ton of players at that level. I think Gulliver is a dark horse to make it to States this year. Uh, it's going to be pretty much the same teams. I think they will be, um, you know, like I said, I think St. Thomas, you could expect them to be there at the end and heritage and um, central, some, right? Central, yeah, should central, be central should be there as well. Uh, you know, they are a loaded team. I mean, central's got everything you want, uh, offensively, defensively, you know, and, and that, that coaching staff has done such a great job every year, year in and year out of getting the type of players to fit what they want to do. And those kids just go there and they buy in right away.
1: Yep. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, uh, hopefully I can get the real schedule because I know, uh, it's, been, it's been a mission to get a, a hold of information here from these schools.
2: Well, we got to make a, a promise that we're going to get together for the state championships this year and, uh have some good laughs man so i'm
1: i'm definitely planning on being in orlando hopefully by then this covid crap is over brother yeah no doubt all right man good talking to you fish thanks for coming on uh and, and joining me uh on the episode
2: thank you man take it easy 305-954-568 this is the state of miami y'all know
0: y'all come down that